Yeah, I'm going to hit record. I just did that. All right. Mm-hmm. So we're recording this uh, episode. I, you know, our our, our producer, um, Toronto Mike. He started, and every podcast he does, he knows what number it is. Uh, we don't. You know, we've had this discussion, and I don't want to get into it. I just want, it would be interesting to be able to go, welcome to episode whatever, but uh, we, uh, we don't really know. Uh, I know Dan's here, Fred's here, and uh, I can say uh, uh, on behalf of all three of us, uh, welcome to whatever episode this is. Mm. The newest one. The newest, thank you. A lot of other people do that. Give the episode number. We don't need to. We're all right. We're all right, Howie. No, I get it. In fact, although it means so much to you. (laughs) It doesn't. And I'm so worried. And I'm so worried about you these days. Maybe one day I'll just sit down here in my rec room and I'll count the bastards once and for all for you. Thanks. Okay. Are you? I I, listen. I and I I could. I appreciate when we first uh, talked about 10 minutes ago. I appreciate you asking me how I am. I, I hope you guys aren't mm-hmm. too worried about me. Although I, I can, I can understand that you are because you're there and I'm here and I don't, you know, it's like, it's, I'm, I'm pretty far away to be this under this, uh, watch, you know? Well, I feel better after yesterday because I called our accountant and I said, if Howard cats, <laughs> like if this hard thing, if this, if this hard thing, you know, takes them down is it going to be really complicated to figure out the business you know the corporate end of it and he said no there's standard you know there's standard procedures that Mm. would go forward it may take some time but no you'll be fine i said okay i feel way better now i'm glad you do you know it's funny you Mm -hmm. say that and i mean funny and interesting uh, because I had that thought a few days ago. Maybe it was in the hospital or maybe it was laying around here listening to my heart pounding. I thought, what if I do CAC here? How does that affect the business? Do my kids get access to my half of the equity? I, I mean, I don't know. Yes. All right. There's formulas that you follow. And of course, those you, you know, you love and you know, want to provide a legacy to uh, would be looked after. Absolutely, Howie. Well, for the record, and I know she's going to hate this, but can you give a little bit more to Spencer than Charlie? Because I just looked on uh, Booby Billy's Instagram account, and there's a uh, a couple of shots of Booby Billy on the New York subway and in, in a New York subway ad for Nordstrom's. Wow. Charlie doesn't need any of this money. Trust me. <laughs> I, I looked at it this morning. I'm like, what am I seeing? And there's a whole bunch of panels. Not on the, there's a few, there's mm-hmm. one subway panel, but there's another panel on the actual Instagram account of Booby Billy posing for Nordstrom's. Anyway. The only thing that could complicate our situation is if the show was ongoing, like you cacked. And I thought, well, I'm going to keep the show going because I, I really like it. And hopefully I can. And, um, well then, you know, just you know to disperse things might become a little more complicated and then i'm thinking well shit maybe i could do a five minute show until i'm 99 (laughs) (laughs) i would listen and and i've had that conversation that if you decided to you know retire early and you didn't want to do this anymore or god forbid i love when people say that god forbid yes you know like gord thank you and I thought, what if Fred cacked? Would I want to continue doing it? And, and I would. I mean, for as long as 
And, and, but I did think of this, and I wanted to ask you this question. Would you still call it the Humble and Fred show? Yeah, probably. Or just and Fred. <laughs> that's right. Welcome to or, the yeah. and Fred. Uh, that's a good question. Maybe. Yeah. Pretty strong brand. That's what I thought I would do. If you retired, I would call it the Humble and Fred show featuring mm-hmm. Fred Patterson. You know, it might be a bit clunky because what I would imagine is if you because even if you said, listen, I don't want to do this every day anymore, but I'll pop in, you know, once a month, once every couple of weeks. Um, I would still call it the Humble and Fred show. Occasionally featuring Fred. I don't know how many times I have to say it. The thought of not doing this gives me the creeps. So Mm. it does gives me it gives me the downright creeps. Just well, getting up anyway. How many times? I no, I know. I, but I let, let's talk about it from this aspect. I've been around a lot of dudes, this dudes, older men this last week, uh, late 60s to mid 80s. Like our friend Bill Hertz is late 70s, although he could take all three of us. Literally, he could probably take the first two of us very quickly, and the third one went, might give him a little trouble for a minute or two, but eventually he would beat all three of us into a into submission. He's His peer group are guys between 75 and 87, you know, and I've hung around a couple of these people, and they're still vibrant, but they don't do, like, I don't want to get into some of the jobs they had, but they're like, you know, big executives and guys that had, you know, real careers and now they don't. And, and I've asked a couple of them if they miss their jobs. And for the most part, they say they don't. But I don't know that they have the type of work that we have been doing our whole lives, you know? Well, that's it. You know, and again, I still get that question. Oh, you're not retired yet. Well, uh, I really don't even know how to answer that question anymore. I never leave my house. I'm down here for a couple of hours a morning <laughs> having right. fun. And then the rest of the day is mine. Am I retired? I don't know. I feel like saying you answer that question. Here's my day. You tell me. Am I retired? <laughs> How about you, Dan Duran? I was talking about you last night. Uh, I, I think tomorrow, I, I think we'll save my, my dinner and this adventure I was on last night. But I was talking about Dan Duran because of the conversation I was in. A lot of it was about show business and Hollywood and acting. And at one point, my host said, you know, I've always had a very soft spot for actors because it's one of the hardest ways to make a living. And I said, you know, my best friend has been acting for many, many years. And I said, you know, he's in all these movies. And I said, he's a, a guy in his 60s now. Do you know that, Dan? Are you, have you accepted? <laughs> yeah, I've settled on that, yeah. And I said, my friend Dan's in his 60s. And I said, you know, he was on a movie set the, last week. I said, it's one of the hard, hardest ways to make a living. And yet, in this conversation, in the context, Dan, you don't really ever have to retire. No, I, and I, I you know, I, I guess... You know what? The whole time that I've been in this career, I've never ever thought about it. Mm-hmm. Whatever the career is, a kind of, you know, amalgam of of audio production to you know voiceover to radio to whatever. It's just I've always been interested in it, and I'm still interested in it. You know, not necessarily all the politics and stuff that goes with some of it, but man, it's it's a uh, you know I don't have a, a desire to give it up. So I don't know if I don't have to. Why would I? Because I still like doing it. Yeah, it's a tough one, Howard. You talk to those executives. And again, I have several friends that are retired and love it. But, you know, from a guy who used to climb hydro poles in minus, you know, 10 degree weather to, 
you know, my other buddy who worked for the city and became frustrated with all the bureaucracy and bullshit. And you know what I mean? On and on with us, it's different. We're in control of this and the creative side keeps you hungry. Like, again, if I wasn't doing this show, I would probably do a podcast for a hobby. <laughs> and even beyond that, day to day, you know, with my kids and stuff, whenever I'm talking to them, you always try and think of funny things to say or clever, clever things, things to say or spin news stories in such a way to them that they might laugh or think about it in a different way. And that's just what this show is. So why... <laughs> Here I am repeating myself. Why would you ever stop that? And I think this keeps us sharp and young, younger. I really do. No, I, I agree. But in, and when it comes to Dan, I mean, in your, you know, in your profession of being on camera, mm-hmm. you know, of the three of us, you're obviously aging well. <laughs> so, I mean, like you, you could be a guy in his early 70s. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to stop having newscasters in movies. But, but I'm, you know, but I'm, and I mean, facetiously, but also, you're, you know, your voice, your face, your, the way you, you know, come, come off on screen. You, you could be doing that for as long as you wanted. There wouldn't be really a reason unless, and I can't even, I was going to say, unless people stopped casting you, but that's not going to happen either. What we need to do is get Dan a nice, long, solid part. This is what we need to do. Uh, Dan's got a you nice, know, long, solid part. I thought we'd established <laughs> Oh, that. right. I uh, forgot uh, about that. Uh, what? That only took uh, nine minutes. Hey, and I, did, I, I didn't even say that <laughs> as a joke. I know you didn't. That was, uh, by the way, for you people who are keeping track of uh, the Humble and Fred's uh, Dan Dick jokes, the home game, that was nine <laughs> minutes and uh, 40 seconds. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Which reminds me yesterday. I mean, long, solid, you know. You were telling me yesterday that medication that you're on is giving you greasy stools. I mean, I thought about All that. Right. Come, I mean, what? I thought about that more than once yesterday. <laughs> you, oh. you know, that's not necessary. <laughs> that's not. I told you that in confidence. In private. In private. In private. Well, you know. <clears throat> the thing is, when I saw Dan do that stage play with Lisa, I thought, you know, this guy, he, he's, he's good at this and he has a certain charm. And sort of, um, I don't know what the word is. You've used it before, sort of stickiness. He created that with the character, and I just sort of liked it. And I remember, remember, Dan, you were on that show Crash and Burn when you had yeah. sort of a longer part. Anyway, the whole, what I'm getting at is I'm surprised that you haven't had more of those sort of featured person parts. Yeah, it's one of those things. You didn't get that break, right? Uh, just didn't yeah. happen. Yeah, me, but, but also it wasn't what you were... It's not the direction you were headed in at any point, I don't think. And and it maybe, you know, maybe now is a time in your life where you try and do some more of those things. Start off doing some little theater, and, and next thing you know, maybe casting directors will start to see you in more of a role other than the guy standing in front of, you know, the building that Spider-Man's about to save. Why don't you... <laughs> I don't know, work with a writer, and I'm sure you can write on some level. Come up with a concept of a middle-aged guy, or middle-aged whatever, a guy that's Elderly. on the ver- verge of becoming, <laughs> no. a guy who's on the verge of becoming officially a senior and refuses to accept, that would be a good concept for a movie. Oh, there's an idea. You know? Let me write, let me write that one down. Yeah. Okay. 
Oh, God. Because like a lot that. of guys no, could relate to that. Absolutely. It's like, oh, that, that number's coming up 65. I don't want to deal, you know, I don't want to deal with this. I, I don't want to deal with it to the point where I'm going to pretend I don't even know my age. That's right. I, you know, it, it is an interesting concept. It, it could be, yeah. this, the movie could be called, I'm not 65, cool, exclamation mark. Yeah. Um, can we get back to the fact that, you know, I'm, you know, I have some side effects from uh, this medication. And it got me thinking about this song. <laughs> Do you know? Can you guys hear this, by the way? No. Oh, okay. Hang on. All right. Hang on. I know. Hang on a second. That's a good little test. Okay, here we go. You should be able to hear it now. And uh, it, it's too bad I couldn't find the ID. Because <laughs> there's an ID that Jamie did, Greasy Humble. And Fred, you are. <clears throat> All right. Yeah. I think another side effect of this medication I'm on, too, is it's, as I said yesterday, it's got this, uh, just it brings your energy down. And uh, that's what I found yesterday is that, you know, I, you know, I just sort of got tired, which is a weird thing. You know, you like an old guy thing, you know, you just kind of got tired in the afternoon. Not that we haven't napped our whole lives, but it was a different kind of fatigue, you know. Brings your energy down. Maybe you're not as frenetic. People will start saying, hey, Humble, I really like being around Humble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Have you seen Humble lately? Oh, yeah. it's, like, it's so much yeah, easier to it's take. Like, it's, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I want to spend more time with Humble. He seems different. Oh, right. Maybe hey, you- whatever, whatever, you're, whatever you're taking, is it like uh, some sort of regulated amount? Like, should you be taking less or more of it? Would that influence every, like... Is it well, well you know, Dan, I, I can't prescribe to my, even though I am a doctor, I can't uh, prescribe myself. No, it's a, uh, I'm on a low dose beta blocker, but you know what? There, there's a long time ago, and Freddie will remember this, there was a controversy in sport where athletes were taking beta blockers. In, in, in fact, there was a rumor that in the late 70s and early 80s on the PGA Tour that some, ath- some of those golfers were taking beta blockers because it calms your nervous system down. And it makes you better able to perform under pressure. So even though I'm a little bit lower energy, I was thinking, wait a second. I come next year at the golf season, maybe the hell man will finally be able to calm down enough not to shit the bed. But yeah, beta blockers have been used uh, illegally in sport for a long time. And if I do shit the bed, it'll be greasy. I know. Oh, my God. Two days in a row, I shot a 79. I shit the bed twice. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, it's funny how many times that's come up. Lori Love, the great Lori Love, uh, Niagara region's uh, greatest broadcaster, sent me a nice note, and, and she, she referenced the 79s. So did, and a bunch of people have said, maybe that was the reason your heart finally exploded. I mean, it's fine to shoot 79 one day, but two... Um, by the way, oh my God. can you believe that? I know how many guys out there just to not have an eight, you know, good golfers would love to not have an eight in front of, uh, you know, as the first number. Um, cause that, that's a, that's a huge accomplishment for a lot of mm. golfers, I know. right? There, I know to shoot in the seventies. Ah, uh, yeah. I'll well, tell you what, if uh, I get to golf again this weekend and it happens, I'm just going to get on a plane and come home. Because I'm going to need psychological help, or even more than hey, I normally So what do. happens, Howard? Because you are 65 or 63 or whatever. 62. The there is going to be a point where the body will just not allow that 
you know, 72s and 71s. And uh, No, I, I have the answer for that. I'll just move up. Okay. What do you mean you'll move up? I'll move up to the next tease. To the dick outs? <laughs> I'll move up to your tease. <laughs> Dan, do you know what he's talking about? A dick out? I think I do, yeah. yeah. No, I'm not going to move up to the dick out tease. I'm going to move up to the senior tease. And listen, if I have to move I told Doll that once, and she says, well, that's just ignorant. It is ignorant. I said, said, well, that's what they call them. Well, that's just... That's sad. That's what they do. For you people who don't know, what men do is if you hit a tee shot from your tees, and it doesn't get past the ladies' tees... By the way, I'm just going to come back to that in a second, but if your ball doesn't get past the ladies' tees, you're supposed to walk to your ball with your dick out. Now, <laughs> why we all need to... Hey, Fred had a bad drive. Now we got to see his wiener. I, <laughs> I, I don't understand that tradition. <laughs> but recently I read an article in Golf World that because of our woke society, that they are now no longer calling them the uh, men's or ladies' tees. Oh, I know. I, was, I heard this. You heard that? Yeah. What's it called? Intermediate or? No, yeah. Uh, the, um, expert, intermediate, whatever, advanced. And, and again, I personally don't care enough to get super excited about it. No, not getting that. back. I'll, although I just I saw a story the other day. This young woman, a great swimmer, I think, in Utah or something. And one of the top female swimmers. And then all of a sudden, the guy decided he was a woman and whatever yeah that, that was a story from last year right no this was like just a new one last week and anyway it was her and her dad talking about you know the early mornings and the traveling to the to the pools and working hard to be the top of her craft and then last week she's clobbered by this six foot two man who now identifies as a woman and just it's unfair it's just unfair what they need is a separate category men women and the in-betweeners now why can't they have their own have your own category but anyway. um, no that's a damn what were you going to say uh we oh, i was just going to get back to what, what what fred was saying was fred's implication that that you shot 79 twice is it time to hang up the clubs mm, yeah. <laughs> was that what he was getting at i think so um, you know, uh, and it's, you know, it's an interesting question because a lot of about have there should there be a different category for trans mm. because and I'm happy to have a bit of that conversation because I don't think it's fair either. If you're uh, only from the standpoint that if you're a young man uh, with male muscle mass, which is different than female muscle mass. And then you transition to become a female. And I know it's more complicated because of hormones and it weakens it, etc. But you still have a bit of an advantage over an, of a, a you know, again, I, I'm sort of dancing around, but there is definitely an advantage. Let, let me, you know, and I, I heard a good explanation or a good question raised through this. If there's no difference and men should be able to compete in women's sport. How come there's no women who now identify as men trying to join men's sports? No, it's a great point. It's almost non-existent. Well, it doesn't happen because they would not have a they would not be able to compete. So, uh, 
and and again, my just heart, my heart goes out to those that train to be the best of their craft in their category, and then all of a sudden, all that hard work and time and money, and there's a lot of money when you're training your kid to be at the top of their game. Um, it's just taken away that way, and uh, I'm sorry. I, I I try to be you know accepting and uh, inclusive and all that. That one just irks me. And well, no, and I don't know that. It, I, I mean, I, I also wonder, you know, that young man that became that transition to uh, a woman. You know, my heart goes out to that family and them, and and on all the decisions that had to be made, and that's not easy. And you know, you're without a doubt. Oh, it's but it 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 in the world of athletics. Mm-hmm. You you still are having an advantage, even through all, as I said, the hormonal therapy and all that stuff. But as you say, there's no women transitioning to men that are competing in male sports because they can't. Well, that's the, the last thing I say is a lot of guys, speaking of moving up to the ladies' tees, you know, this comes up. You know, once a summer, I'm in a discussion where some guys are going, you know, if I were on the LPGA tour and playing from the tees they were, and I go, yeah, you'd still suck. You know, like that whole thing of guys thinking that because they're playing, that the women play from, you know, uh, less yardage than the men, that somehow they could compete against them is ridiculous. You know, Lydia, I mean, Lydia Ko is a, I don't know if you know her, but she just won the... Well, let's take Brooke Henderson. Brooke Henderson's uh, the best female uh, golfer in Canada, one of the best in the world. And they play from, you know, yardages that are somewhat shorter than most guys. But they go out and they shoot 15 and 20 under for four rounds. And most guys from those tees still couldn't break 80. Well, that's it. And as you've explained, I mean, often on swing thoughts, I mean, it's such such a psychological game. I mean, you can be technically near perfect, but if you don't have the head for the game, you don't get those scores, and they do. So they're taking that out of the equation. The fact that those women that they would be competing against or think they're as good of are stronger mentally than they are. Well, not only stronger, but, you know, listen, I'll take the average 65-year-old man is not hitting it anywhere near. Like, these women are now approaching 300-yard drives, 275. Yeah, a lot of them hit it 230 and 240, but... Um, but yeah, you bring up an interesting point about um, men transitioning to women, and it seems that sport of swimming has at least a couple because that was a big, high-profile story last year. And and uh, you know, we've come a long way as a society. I really think we have. You know, as far as and there's still major problems, and you displayed them last week through the anti-Semitism thing. But in some ways, we've come a long way. And when it comes to that, I think we've come a long way. And it's like. Okay, man, I'll go with you almost the distance. But when it comes to that, let's just bring a little logic into this. Why at this point can we not say, you know, hey, transgender people are more accepted and everything. But when it comes to that, yeah, we sort of agree. It's unfair. So we'll have our own category or we won't go there. Um, Yeah, it's something that uh, I just have a hard time accepting. Well, yeah, I was hoping, speaking of last week's conversations... You know, maybe I should uh, transition from Judaism to one of your other fucking nutty religions. <laughs> maybe. Hey, Dan. It's funny you say that because I wanted to become a Jew. <laughs> well, you know, to, to, to identify with you. Well, why don't we let's have a look at your uh, your skin down there. Let's shave it off. Oh, no, I forgot. You're already well, I'm, circumcised. I'm circumcised. I'm well, a 50s baby. Listen, man, I'm a you're, 50s all, baby. you're almost halfway there. And God knows you're thrifty. 
No, see, if I said that, you'd take offense to that. <laughs> well, not if you said that. Cause no. you're, only because you're funny. <laughs> uh, Dan Duran. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes I just feel like Dan's sitting here going, you know what, fellas? I could really be doing a whole lot more, more constructive things with my time. Uh, Dan, are you, uh, we got a big show today. Our, uh, we do? Yeah, we got a big show. Um, speaking of golf, one of my, uh, how I uh, became buddies with this guy is through the game of golf, uh, Jeremy Taggart from Our Lady Peace, and I were members of the same golf course for a few years, and Jeremy is uh, our guest. He was uh, the drummer for Our Lady Peace for quite some time, and did it did not end well. And uh, as I mentioned to you guys last week, Jeremy has really you know, kicked up his social media, not his presence, but also his attack. And I, I can't wait to talk to him. He's our guest today. In the meantime, Dan Duran. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Humble and Fred studios in trendy Toronto, our subterranean facility in Brampton, and our warm and sunny studio in San Miguel de Allende, Mexico. And is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, Aaron Ventures, evnet.ca, and our newest sponsor, Kelsey's, Canada's original roadhouse since 1978. And now, here are two men who, like Herschel Walker, think this erection is about the people, juicy people. It's Humble and Fred. Uh, don't go away, Dan Durant. I have a quiz for you in a second. How about Herschel Walker last week? I don't know if we talked about this. But you have to see this clip of Herschel Walker in front of actual other human beings talking about how he just found out that werewolves can beat vampires. That was an actual speech he gave uh, as he runs for the U.S. Senate. I know. It's something else. Something else. The guy is just, you know, one <laughs> one chromosome away from a, like a moron. Anyway. It would be like, I thought about this. In Canada, that would be like a politician giving a speech to people saying, you know, uh, uh, Casey and Finnegan could probably take the friendly giant. Uh, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, excuse yeah. me. Yeah, I just found out that Mr. Dressup could beat the friendly giant. Anyway. And again, that, that just so displays the polarization in the united states that the people lining up behind him like he's actually a legitimate valid candidate it's it's something else fred you tell me even if you're a trump supporter even if you're a staunch republican and maybe you're not the most and i don't want to shit on these people because you know they're not dumb it being dumb oily. isn't pardon oily shit yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> you know i told you that in confidence you know, I, when when you tell me something in confidence like the medication is giving you oily stool, I don't know that it, it's I don't want a song. I don't want a parody song, although it'd be funny anyway. Yeah, I, those poor people sitting there and I watched this clip a couple times because they had one view of, a, of the actual crowd. So it was shot from the back looking at Herschel in the front. And I thought, are there a few people in that group going? Well, this is where I get off. <laughs> you know, wasn't there, wasn't there yes. a few people going, wait a second, did he just say that, was, was this guy who's running for the U.S. Senate runoff in Georgia, is he talking, because how it started, Dan, is he's talking about a movie he saw, and then he launches into this diatribe about how it was a, a, a revelation to him that werewolves can beat vampires, and then what he's 
excuse me. And then what, you know what he said, Dan? He says, so now I want to be a werewolf. And I'm like, well, that's great, Senator. That's great news, Senator uh, Walker. So, Dan, here's the quiz. Something's about to happen today that if you were born uh, before 37 years ago, or if you were born 30, in the last 37 years, this has not taken place. Do you know what that is? Uh, something to do with the Internet, probably, right? No, sir. It's a sports okay. question. I know you oh, don't. Sports question. It's a sports okay, question. Well, I'm out. Uh, it's something that's uh, happening in, in Qatar. Does that give you a clue? Oh, oh yeah, that's right. I, I heard this. Uh, the Canadian World Cup team that's is, right. uh, is there for the first time in 37 years. Canada's right? going to play a World Cup game against Belgium, and Canada playing in the World Cup hasn't happened in 37 years. I, I know I did that clunk at you. Yeah, so if you were born before... After 37 years ago, this has never happened in your lifetime. I, um, I'm excited. I'm going to be watching the game at 2 o'clock. I've, you know, I rarely get revved up over that sport, um, but I'm going to be watching at 2 o'clock for the history. This whole Qatar thing, too. Oh, um, yeah. Like, it's, you know, how they're backtracking and now trying to explain why they selected Qatar when it has inappropriate climate, inappropriate human rights, on and on and on. When you know, at the very end, it was envelopes stuffed with huge amounts of cash and given to the guys at FIFA and all the governing bodies that make that decision. It's just fucking corruption from top to bottom because it makes no sense to have it there. No. No, you're right. None. No, you're right. That, I mean, that's the story. Don't try and spin it this way and that way. And, oh, it's a young country and they deserve a chance. No, you were paid off to put it there. Yeah. End uh, of story. There's no other reason that the World Cup, it's, it's inappropriate for all the reasons you said. Yes. Uh, I mentioned this yesterday, the climate right there. And even just to play it in that climate right now makes no sense. So I've, I, I don't know how it came up on my Twitter feed, but there's a Qatarian who was trying to push back saying, you know, well, the West doesn't dictate our culture. We don't dictate its culture. Okay. <laughs> okay, fine. But, you know, if you were to come to our culture, we would allow you all your traditional uh, wants and needs. Meanwhile, there's a picture of a guy. Who, I guess he did this to be provocative, but he had a rainbow flag T-shirt and he tweeted that he was refused entry into a game from one of the security guards because it displayed a, an affinity for gay people. I mean, here we are on this planet in 2022 and this culture is discriminating against, a, you know, a fairly, you know, pretty, pretty prominent, prominent section of our society. You know, it also displays sort of the, again, social justice warrior, woke, um, politically correct end of our society too where as i was explaining yesterday sort of the dog chasing its tail it's like in qatar women are pieces of shit they don't they do not count so how do you how do you agree with that on any level but with some people the minute you 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 attack that then you're attacking their religion which means you're being um islamophobic well no it's got nothing to do with with religion, it's just wrong. I'm sorry. Women are equal in this world now, like, believe it or not. And, and 
how women are treated, it's just unacceptable. I don't give a shit about your religion. Does that make me Islamophobic? I guess. Well, yeah, yeah, but by definition, you. I mean, yeah. my comment is that because Islam doesn't recognize homosexuals, by virtue of that comment, that's Islamophobia. But how the how FIFA allowed this to go there, given their rights about men, I'm sorry, about women and uh, homosexuals, how that was allowed is only because of giant stacks of uh, Qatar money. There, there's (laughs) so much money in that dirt hole country. Yeah, yeah, it's a dirt hole when you treat people like that. You know, the people, the workers, too, I'm reading about that built those stadiums and the infrastructure have, have, haven't been paid. And they were sort of bamboozled to, you know, work and we'll pay you more money than you've ever seen in your life. And then didn't give them their paychecks and on and on and on and on. So these guys at the top making millions and billions off this. Oh, yeah. Still want to piss on the people below. So and it's like, oh, man. well, no, it's a human rights disaster. And yet... Yes. Yet this afternoon at two o'clock, you know, a lot of people will tune in, yourself included. I won't because I'm going to uh, Carretero, which is a city of about an hour and a half from here, to get more tests. But, uh, you know, well, yeah, it, they can, I think they know that, you know, a lot of people will ignore this. No, like, like it, and I'm, not, I'm not challenging you. All I'm saying is if you really felt that strongly, you wouldn't yes. watch it. Yeah, Howard, a legitimate question. You know what I mean? I'm sort of turning my, you know, yeah, you have, that's a good point. Like, should Canada, our country as it is, should we have even taken part? At what point do you take a stand and say, no, we're not going there? But uh, there really wasn't a movement for that, which is sort of disappointing as well. Listen, and I'm, I'm, I'm not challenging you in any way except to say that, you know, in the in the night, that's a good question. In the 1930s, you know, at the rise of Nazi Germany before mm-hmm. World War II, they held that famous Olympics where Jesse Owens, you know, won and famously, you know, gave the salute. But mm-hmm. countries still knowing what was going, or maybe not knowing exactly what was going on, or certainly what was going to happen, they still participated in that Olympics in Germany. Even though I'm sure conversations like this happen, like, you know, should we be supporting this madman that's a running that country? And, you know, there's the argument that, OK, if we boycott or don't go, then you're punishing the athletes and on and on and on and on. You know, I'm reading yesterday, if two men are caught having sex, caught, whatever that entails, it's three years in prison right off the bat. No, no, it's Think crazy. about that. Jesus. Like, just think about that. And this is what killed. So in the very people, you know, that, you know, you know, gay rights and on and on and on are at the same time will somehow protect that religion or culture like they have a right to it. Like, I, I, I'm just I, 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 I can't keep up with it. Uh, Rudra just sent me a note, Rudra Rishi Maharaj, and I and I do have to spend some time at some point today or tomorrow talking about how the gig sky has just saved me here on this trip. But he said, John Oliver, John Oliver 
did a story on the migrant workers who built the stadiums in Qatar on his last show. If you can find it, he says it's worth a watch. So maybe we'll. Yeah, uh, that's what I was referring to. Like, it's just obscene. And these FIFA guys, you know, I'd love to know how many of them now have bigger homes and nicer yachts and on and on and on. And these poor bastards in the punishing heat built the infrastructure, haven't been paid. (laughs) <laughs> and and, and nice. listen, and, and 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 you know how our you know anyone who listens to Hundy P's know where we stand on religion, and 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 tomorrow, by the way, uh, there's we're going to have some time. There's so many people that have emailed us about the Jewish thing, the the my rant last week, and so many people this week have. Uh, sent me notes about my heart, but we should take a little time tomorrow to maybe discuss just the differences between Judaism as a religion and being Jewish as a culture. But I can tell you this, if there was a God, he doesn't want men who have sex with each other and women juicy who have sex with each other thrown in jail. He just doesn't. (laughs) I don't care. I don't care what your religion believes. Again, even somewhere in the Qatari society, there's got to be some people going, you know, werewolves beat vampires. This we got to get on. We, we got to get off this. Uh, and we got to get off this subject now, Freddie, because we need to move on. Our uh, guest, Jeremy uh, Taggart, will be with us in a few minutes' time. Dan Duran's news later on today. And I uh, believe we have another guest, uh, guest as well. I just don't have it in front of me. But first, let's talk about these fine folks. Well, the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, what can we say? Howard's, uh, you know, rolled it out over the past couple of days. There he is in San Miguel de Allende, or de Allende, or Silent Hills. Um, you know, I'm running into more heart problems, and the, the Chamber Plan is standing firmly behind him. Uh, all his coverage, uh, you know, looked after. It, it really is something you should look into if you have a small business. Imagine that. You have a small business, you have one of your employees who travels, and they have that security. Do you not want to do that for them? Go to chamberplan.ca today. Find out all about it. You can get a free quote. Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. We're talking dental, prescriptions, and, of course, travel, all sorts of therapies. Uh, you know, a mental health component now. HR available. All there. Chamberplan.ca. Uh, we've talked about Kelsey's. You know, when we first uh, signed on with Kelsey, they became our sponsor. You know, we kind of hinted that it would be a sweet deal if some of our listeners would go to Kelsey's, take some pictures, so we could send it to our new sponsor and say, here, uh, this is what happens when you're part of the Humble and Fred show. And sure enough, Freddie, you know, people have been coming through in flying colors, not just our email, but I've seen it online as well on Twitter and on Facebook. And it's a great deal when you go there, especially if you're looking to watch some sports games. I guarantee you at Kelsey's they'll be showing uh, lots of the soccer. Of course, they're showing football. And now you can enter to win over 500 prizes, including NFL jerseys, soccer jerseys, and a grand prize, a VIP Super Bowl 57 experience, which I'm pretty sure is worth over $20,000. All you have to do is visit the Roadhouse to watch a game, get a ticket, and enter to win. This contest is on for a limited time. So head over. Game night shouldn't be a tame night. Grab your buds and visit Kelsey's today, the original roadhouse, and visit kelseys.ca for more details. No purchase is necessary. Taxes are extra. Must be, of course, of legal drinking age. 
uh, what I just said is actually an inadvertent segue uh, about our uh, guest this morning. And I, I don't see if he's here yet, but one of the things I want to talk about with Jeremy Taggart is just how young he was when he joined that band. And, and it's, you know, I've known Jeremy a long time, so have you. Uh, and I often forget, because I just ran into him a couple months ago, uh, just how young he was when he met the, the guys in that band. And, you know, I think he was 17. And, and wow. I just, and I, and I was curious, one of the things, because he is no, he's reputed to be and has been for a long time one of the best drummers in rock and roll. And I thought to myself, well, how did that happen by the time he was 17 years old? So uh, that should be interesting. Tomorrow's show, by the way, predominantly will be emails because, you know, usually on Thursdays we do maybe, I don't know, 10 or so. But we've gotten so much response over the last couple of weeks, not just on emails, but on Facebook. And I think it'll be uh, fun to kind of go through it and take our time um, because there's a lot to, as the kids like to say, it's a lot to unpack. Yeah, I'd say some, um, and, 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 uh, shout out to those too, that, uh, took the time to go to Kelsey's and send along pictures again, humble and Fred, you know, well, uh, we put out the plea that could really, really help us. Uh, you know, we don't ask for a lot no. and uh, no, that's fantastic. A lot of people have responded that way. Enjoyed a nice meal out, uh, took some pictures, uh, you know, our sponsor, our new sponsor, Kelsey's really, uh, are enthusiastic about that. And speaking of uh, sponsors, uh, even though they've uh, paused, I'll tell you, I'll just mention Rudra and everyone at Gig Sky. Uh, you know, I've used this thing off and on. I think the first time I was remembering going to uh, London, England on my way to some event. I think it might have been the Scottish Open in, in 2017. And I remember arriving, and I think that was the first time or second time I had taken the hotspot. And I couldn't get it to work. And here's Jeremy. I'll just tell you it, very quickly. It was probably, it was early evening in, 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 in London. And there was Rudra, probably had more important things to do than try and walk. Here's the vice president at that time of Gig Sky walking me through the technical difficulty that I was having. It wasn't their fault. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, I can't tell you. I can't thank you enough. And I can, I can, we so recommend Gig Sky when it comes to travel. And I've really seen here the last eight days, you know, using my own personal uh, Wi-Fi everywhere I've been, including the hospital, including being on the road here, trying to find a restaurant and, and whatever, or hanging out with Bill and his uh, lady, Ronnie. And I, I always have the internet with me because of our good friends at Gig Sky. Uh, all right, we've, uh, we've been talking about our guests today. Are you going to turn your camera on, Taggart? We should start with your audio, too. Jeremy, I can't imagine that Jeremy's going to have trouble because he's a technical wizard. But he is. He's having trouble. He has an un- he has a, there's no camera, no audio. Okay, now we have audio. Hi, Jeremy. Hello. Hello. There he is. Hello. There's. Hey. Ha ha. Are you going to turn your camera on or you don't have to, but we all have. Look at us. I know. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to do that. I'm not a Zoom 
Oh, you're not well on the very bottom, Fred. You're this is your area. Just tell them exactly where it is. Okay, on the bottom left, left hand corner. You see, it'll say video. It's got a little video camera. Click on it. No, I got right now. I'm getting like background filters and stuff. Like, what the hell's that about? But do you see on the bottom left hand corner, there's a little video camera. No, there's only an inverted camera, so I can like change whether you see my face or my water filter. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're on the wrong page there, Bubba. Just go yeah, back. Just I... go back to the main page where you see. Can you see Fred and I? I, I did before. I'm trying to get rid of this backgrounds idea. Yeah, that's here. not what you need to go. Just go back to uh, the main page. Okay. And on I'm the bottom, to do that. Yeah, all right. This is like uh, when you call up grandma. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay. I'm going to leave and come back. Yeah, yeah, seconds. yeah. Go ahead. And okay, then you'll, do that. Yeah, That's a good uh, thing because we'd like to see you for the. And I know we uh, all the I fans seen you recently, but I haven't. And all the people on Facebook are going to want. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now Ruder just called me again. He says, or just texted me again. He goes, "Now you know what it was like for me giving you technical advice over the phone." That's okay. <laughs> You're really funny, Rudra. Okay, here comes Jeremy again. <laughs> da, 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 da. Da, da, da. All right, Jeremy is connecting to audio. That's good. Yeah. Okay. So on the okay. bottom left, you see a microphone and you see a video camera. Just click the video camera. I'm, t- I'm trying. <laughs> is, is one of oh, your... Okay, here we go. I there we go. There you go. go. That's okay, my do I have boy. To go this way, though. No, yeah, there you go. Oh, you it's can. That's you fine. Can. It's fine. Yeah, Either way is fine. This. Yeah. Okay. There you go. There's my right. buddy. Hey, <laughs> Jeremy. Thanks for uh, doing this this morning. How are you, kid? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, sorry for the technical difficulties here. Jeremy, it's the Humble We're and Fred set. show for crying out loud. The whole thing's been a technical fucking difficulty. 33 years. Taggart and Torrance, do you guys, are you back or uh, to doing the show together in the same room? You don't use this technology? No, we've we've uh, only done, we only do audio and we call in and literally, you know, we still send the, you know, both our footage of audio to Tim Oxford, uh, our friend from Arkells, and he puts it together. And oh, cool! Yeah. So he's still in Truro, and I'm here. So it's like uh, we we can never get to the same place. So how we long just have do you, it? How long have you guys been doing that podcast? Uh, eight years now. Yeah, I was going to say almost. We started eleven years ago, and eleven yeah. years and eight years in podcasting is like a hundred years ago. These guys started. It is. <laughs> it's fucking unbelievable. It totally. Is. Yeah. When I tell somebody, because everyone's heard of the podcast and their moms and dads are doing podcasts, but when I tell somebody that he and I have been doing it for eleven years, they just look at me like there was podcasts eleven years ago. <laughs> yes. Yes. I I consider myself a grandfather of the podcast because I. Even before that, remember, I had Taggart's Take, which was the original kind of podcast back in 2006. 
You know, when there was no one know what it was. Yeah, and how often that. did you have to grab somebody's phone and say, here's how you yeah. do it? <laughs> exactly. Well, we no, did it for sure. And now it's like industry standard here. Look at us. We're, no, but we're no, trailblazers. Well, no, but now he and I did our first po- podcast in uh, December of uh, around 2005 or two, 2006. We didn't even know what it was called a podcast. We just <laughs> put it out on this Internet. But uh, it's funny. It's become so, I'll use this word, ubiquitous, means it's everywhere. I don't know anyone who doesn't have a podcast. I mean, seriously. True. Um, But what was the impetus? So you started doing something on your own, but how did you and Jonathan Torres get together? Well, I I think uh, it was more to do with every time I spoke to him on the phone, not unlike when we chat on the phone, we, we end up like laughing our heads off. And I was like, well... You know, I had a little experience doing my own thing, but I was like, well, Jonathan's hilarious. And uh, these conversations that we have are all reactionary. And it's based on, you know, one someone says something, you know what I mean? Like you guys just it's everybody listens to you guys for the reactions that you have with each other. So, yeah, I mean, we went one further thinking if we can popularize just us talking and forego the guest part we really <laughs> right. got something and we did we actually people were getting sick of having guests because we weren't fucking around like we were before right so that's it they love it yeah you know we're we're the same way i mean we've uh, sort of repositioned this show too to back away from guests because those new to the uh podcasting world tend to lean on guests that seems to be sort of the standard now so yeah. to be different it's good maybe to pull back from that and we've done the same thing you know absolutely because you know uh, when you you know do have a guest even if they're hilarious or whatever like it mm-hmm. still goes into their world for 10 20 minutes uh, absolutely. And it's kind of like you kind of you're lost a little bit from whatever it is that you do. So and, and you know, um, he, Fred's right by the way, and so are you. Like we start when we started eleven years ago, we were doing the show five days a week, and we thought, well, to fill the time, we would we rely pretty heavily on getting a guest every show. And over the time, it's morphed into you're really, you know, we don't have guests on Mondays and Thursdays. We only do the show four days a week now, but we only have guests a couple days a week, and we only have people. And this isn't meant to flatter you, but. We only have people we think that will add to our conversation, not take take away from the vibe of the show. Because very often, and you've said it, Freddie, that we'll be on a roll 40 minutes into the show, then all of a sudden we have to stop right? Yeah, and talk about somebody's fucking book that we don't give a shit about. <laughs> and <laughs> can care. We have a few go-to guests now that recur because we know right. they deliver. Yeah. And, another, and another good rule of thumb is if you have a guest... Be the type of guest where somebody looks at the show description, goes, "Hey, I know that guy," and and you do that today. You yeah. fit that, that for sure today. Yeah. So I, you well, know, I, I, go yes, ahead. Yes. No, you go ahead. Well, I mean, I was just about to say. I think the first time I went on the air with you guys was probably I don't know, like nineteen ninety six or something like ninety seven. So it was like. You know, we go way back, man. <laughs> and I and I told the audience that you and I used to play golf at the same course. And and I was trying to think when I woke up this morning that this that, that one of my one of our favorite stories is so convoluted <laughs> that I don't know that we could properly explain oh. it. But I'll just say that Jeremy's responsible for one of the biggest laughs I've ever had. And I've had a few with this Fred Patterson guy, but there's, there, but someday we'll try and break down this story. All I know is, yes. all I know is it created one of the fucking funniest things that I've ever been involved with. 
But well, I, I can tell this. I've never been around any. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty tough to throw that out there without explaining it. But you can't tell it because it'll like ruin someone's life. I not only that, that, not only that, that, it's so mean. Oh. It's one of those stories. It's so fucking mean. And so we were such dicks. But not really. Not really. Not, not really. Because not... the, the thing the guy was doing was pretty fucking weird. <laughs> anyway. So anyway, it's not. I know I shouldn't have brought. I know it's not good radio to bring it up. I'm just letting you know this guy is responsible for one of my favorite laughs of all time. But I was. Hey, with, hey, did that, that that golf course you're talking? Is that where you're on the ring of champions? And where, no, no, no. Although, oh, that where oh. I he and I played. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. At one time, I was uh, Jeremy and I, Rain and uh, I think. Who else was a member at the time? Was it Mike? Was Dun- it Duncan? Duncan. So uh, a few of the guys from the band and I were in the same course. Um, and, and that's where Al Palladini died as well, too, right? That on, is one it. of the greats there. On the <laughs> they buried him on the seventh hole or something. <laughs> that's right. I will say, though, on this trip that you, you can laugh I'm, now. It's oh, been it's several so years. Fucking hilarious. But uh, I, I was also with Jeremy. And it's the first time I'd ever seen this happen. We were on a trip together and we had driven we, the golf course we were playing that day was like 45 fucking minutes away. And we go all the way there. We get warmed up. We get played. And we're on the first hole and I'm all the way over on the left hand side of the fairway. And he's like 60 yards away from me. And so he took the cart and went over there and I was getting ready to hit. And I sort of saw him getting he's taking a practice swing. And the next thing I know, he's on the fucking ground. <laughs> I'm like, I said to myself, where did Jeremy go? Because I, I thought maybe he was dipping down behind the cart to get something. And so I walk over and Jeremy's holding his head. <laughs> and uh, um, we had to go 45 minutes back to the condo because Jeremy was having a little ringy dingy. So, yeah. T- and now at that time, I can't remember how old you were, but you had suffered from migraines yeah. for quite some time. And once you recovered, you were you had told me, and I think this is an interesting story for the audience, um, that you would actually would have the odd migraine playing a concert. Yeah, awful feeling. Yeah, and well, I mean, because when I had a, a migraine, at first I would get the visual aura where you can't, you're slowly go blind, basically, like you can't see, oh. and uh, then you get this. The impending doom is, you know, when you feel the headache starts to settle in and the headache is just like a spike right into your eye that just continuously is moving and it just is nonstop for about four hours. Right. In fact, now I remember I came over to see how you were and you went, we have to get out of here. I'm like, what? It's the first first fucking hole, dude. So tell the story, but tell the story of you playing some concert. And remember, Jeremy's a drummer, so it's a lot of banging around. Yeah, well, uh, we were opening for Van Halen at the time, OLP in Boston, I think. And uh, yeah, I started to get a headache right, you know, 15, 20 minutes before we were going on stage. So I had our techs turn my drum set again, like because the sun was setting into the so, you know, brightness really hurts with a migraine. So they turned the kit around so it's facing the back of the stage and I had a bucket beside me to throw up into because you get really, you know, you're, you, you're nauseous as well when the headache comes on. And so, yeah, I'm throwing up in between songs and like looking at the back of the stage and, and, and Van Halen are like, what, what's your problem, man? You got a problem with the crowd, man? What are you yeah. doing? Going for like they were pissed off that I was not facing the crowd. They thought I was like 
punk rocking it like fuck everybody right? <laughs> so it was like Sammy Hagar's like come on man you gotta rock you gotta look at those crowds I'm like that's not the point I'm dying up here man and that as a drummer too you can't fake it at all right like wow. no no it like, was, it's awful yeah wow <laughs> not cool do you still get them no I, I haven't had one in years knock on wood it's been, uh, I kind of grew out of them where I was getting them every couple years, but it's been a few years now that I've had one. So I'm lucky. Nice. They're terrible. So that would have been, I don't know, somewhere in the, uh, you know, let's call it the late nineties or two thousands. And, and one of the things I said to Fred a few minutes ago, and I, I don't know that I, maybe we've asked you this question or I have, but I've forgotten now because I'm a hundred. You started with the band. Were you 17 or 18 years old? 17. Yeah. And, and I saw in prefacing that question, I, I, I said to Freddie, you know, this guy is considered one of the, you know, a world class rock drummer, one of the best in the business, even at, you know, a young age. How did you get that good that fast? Um, I was well, my dad was a drummer. He was a drummer in the Yorkville scene, a jazz drummer, and he really was uh, adamant about te- getting me on the right path. So. I think because uh, we had been playing baseball since I was a kid, me and my dad, like practicing every single day all the time. I just adapted that routine to drums. And from like 14 to 17, I probably I was at Rumblefish rehearsal space in Rexdale practicing literally from noon to midnight every day, like skipping school. So it was literally the idea of 10,000 hours to try and get good at something I probably did that in that three years for sure a lot of practicing and then how does that turn into our lady peace well i mean i think the fact that i joined them when i first joined olp it was like a a, they were maybe 25 or something but nobody was a great musician by any stretch so we kind of started on the same level and when we were jamming together there was a good chemical reaction that would happen when we we would try to come up with ideas so um i think that was it more than everything we just kind of started out on the same plane and they're like well here's this eager young kid that seems to have the right idea in terms of like i was just very young but at the same time i just wanted to to crush it i just wanted to play drums so it was good it was a good combo you know it's funny listening back to some olp the last couple of days and i just played some uh by way of introduction you know you know there's a lot of great you know it's a it's a unique sound and that's one of the things one of the reasons it was an edge staple for all those years but having got to know you and being a little bit more tuned into what you did in the band your drumming really was part of the character of Our Lady Peace. Thank you. That's very nice of you to say. But don't, and I, you're, well, you're very welcome. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, it really is like, I mean, uh, there again, Our Lady Peace has a unique sound. And I think the way you, you drum is part of that. It's not just straight ahead. And that's why I said, you know, I, 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 when I got to know you a little bit, like I didn't realize, I just thought you were a funny guy. We played golf together. But I, I don't think I realized at the time just how world-class a musician that you are. Well, thank you. But I, I, I really do, uh, I got to, you know, give credit to where it's due. Like, my dad was a, a, a great drummer. I studied with Rick Gratton, who was a great Canadian drummer. Paul DeLong, who, you know, Kim Mitchell's drummer back in the day. And Rit, Vito Retza. I had really great teachers. And I think the mindset to 
to try and find out how to get as good as I could as fast as I could, you know? Yeah, so you're 17, and then uh, Our Lady, when would you have cashed your first paycheck? Like, were you, re- you got, no, really, were you guys realized, like, we're on to something here? You know, you yeah. want to stick your head above the crowd. Obviously, you guys did. Mm-hmm. At what point did you know you were there? Like, when you, we played you on CFNY, or uh, when you had your first gig where you actually had a real paycheck that you could actually yeah, do something I, I, with? I, I think that uh, definitely when I could afford, you know, because uh, uh, my parents, we were at, you know, the time that I joined the band, we were living in Weston Road in a one bedroom apartment with, you know, my two brothers and my, in the one bedroom and my parents were sleeping out in the living room on a Come full on. mattress. So it was nice. like we were kind of like going downhill at that point. <laughs> I was uh, I was like, what's. What's next year? Yeah, you're going to go like, next year's. Am, a am I going to be like Jim Carrey <laughs> no, and live right. in a van? No, <laughs> next year's yeah. like a studio apartment. There is no bedroom. <laughs> it was getting pretty scary. So um, once we had some success, 90, 95, six, I bought my parents a house. And that was kind of my way of saying, well, what? You know, this is something we never would have had. I. You know, so, you know, we got my the, them a house. I lived there for a while, and then I bought a condo downtown. So definitely like that, when you can alleviate the stress of, of wow. financial hell, you know. Right. Jeremy, what's that moment like where you love your parents so much, and you talk about your dad, and you live in a one-bedroom apartment, and you actually say, Mom and Dad, I'm buying you a house, or actually hand them the keys. What's that moment like? So many people would love to be able to do that for their parents and obvious yeah not be able well it was a, it was a relief to be honest like yeah. i said it was like we we're you know like in toy story when they're going down into the fire like that, was, <laughs> that felt like we were at that point and uh we needed to be saved in a sense and uh, it felt like that it felt like you know like if you're about to be thrown out and you win the lottery like yeah. right, right at the end like it was really like that so that must have be a, a a real hallmark in a in a son's life but now, does it, you know, what, you know, what people are like, once they're back to safety, you know, the hierarchy of needs are met, et cetera. But then do they start, you know, getting uh, text messages like, hey, Jerry, we could use some lawn furniture. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> For sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, totally. hey, Jerry, the lawn like furniture. I, I, this, this barbecue you got us is okay, but our neighbors have a Weber. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Well, I mean, the idea of like... Uh, Cause at the same time, like my mom did a lot of stuff and I, you know, you guys remember, I remember I hadn't, I didn't have a driver's license and I was always that's getting right. my I mom that. to drive me around. Like, Oh, I'd that's right. I remember that. That's right. That the golf course, my, my mom would drop me off at the golf course. And stuff. <laughs> I know. So I, I, I started paying her a salary, you know, b- because it was a tax. It saved taxes for me. Right. So I ended up paying her like 26 grand a year to like, just be drive me around and stuff with in that thing and i would get the text like hey you know we need some groceries could you that's fire so me funny you know, like, like a couple hundred bucks i'd forgotten that about you because you know i remember when you when you said the condo downtown i had this memory instantly of dropping you yeah. off at your place i'm like oh that's right i had to give this fucking kid a ride home <laughs> i was sure you gave me a couple absolutely of i did it was at i know it was at sherburn or something right yeah richmond yeah. and sherburn. richmond and sherburn exactly yeah yeah, yeah. It's funny. <laughs> you couldn't drive, which is why, yeah. by the way, hey, on hey, that- you, you talk about 
You talk. You talk. Okay, Fred. No, I was going to say that's you why talk you were. Them. No, go ahead. You, you, no. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Oh, I'm sorry. It just said my uh, internet is unstable here. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, okay. No, but you talk about sacrifice. I mean, your family was in that situation, but they still managed to. Like those drum lessons weren't free, were they? When. when like that yeah well i mean no that was all i paid for like i remember taking the bus to the drum lesson i think it was 30 bucks or whatever yeah, yeah like that, that they were uh you know they they didn't like my mother worked in as a, a dispatcher at pure later mm-hmm. my dad worked in the warehouse at sears you know so they broke you know they both my dad was probably taken in 28 and my mom was probably taken in 15 and you know day-to-day shopping here and there but like 30 bucks i could squeeze out of them to, to get a drum lesson yeah. for sure well and obviously it paid off <laughs> what i yes. was gonna say jeremy what made me laugh is now i remember why you were in the back seat of that car on the fucking golf trip because you couldn't drive <laughs> yeah that's exactly. right that's so when right. did you when did you finally get your license <laughs> 20 i was 28 or something like that that's yeah, right really yeah. what, were you, what, what were you in like like afraid or what well, I had a before that I, I had a girlfriend always that would drive me. So then I was like uh, tw- twenty eight years old. I was like, okay, I'm gonna. Uh, I got I'm all. I'm alone now. I got to get a license. You know that do- that doesn't sit well with the girlfriend's father, right? When she's got to drive the boyfriend around. But, yeah, but you know, well, I'll tell you I what. Bought, though I bought the I bought the truck. Oh, that's okay. well. There you go. That's okay. You know, Fred, but Freddie nowadays, you know, that's that was unusual yeah. back then. Whenever then was, but you know, mm-hmm. my kids, my youngest, uh, they just got their G one twenty five. I mean, it's I find kids like when yeah. I was a kid, when Freddie and I were younger. I, literally, the day I turned sixteen, I got my license. But in a, mm-hmm. I lived in a small town in a bigger city. You don't you know, need it. Well, you know, first of all, you don't need it if you live in the city, but also it's not quite the rush to do it because, right. you know, you can't always afford it, etc. You know, I was telling the story about you and I and I couldn't remember the exact uh, I got it wrong, but I someone corrected me. You you filled in, can maybe you can talk us through this. Did you fill in for the drummer of Pearl Jam on a Nickelback video? What what, what is that story? Yeah. Well, it's the, you're thinking of the hero song yes. from the Spider-Man soundtrack. And uh, the story behind that is um, Matt Cameron, who played on the song, I was with them at the studio. I think it was a studio in in Vancouver and Chad and and the guy from Saliva and guys from Theory of the Dead Man and just, you know, a a kind of a Canadian slash Southern American super group, if you will. And uh, basically, you know, Matt, did the song at the studio and after he recorded it he had a, a family emergency in seattle we had to go from vancouver to seattle and couldn't do the video shoot so that's when uh I, you know he, he had done a favor for me where i couldn't record in the studio and matt came and, and did a couple songs on spiritual machines so um it was kind of like a favor in a sense for him you know helping me out the previous so yeah i did the video for for the hero and uh, it ended up being the biggest thing that I had ever done at that point, because like I was getting recognized around the world all of a sudden from this one video, which was ridiculous. <laughs> We'd be in Europe and I'd be like people like recognizing me where I'd never got 
recognized in England or whatever. And to be clear, you, that, you, it's not you playing on the song. It's just you playing no. on the video. Yes, I'm pretending to be Matt. Okay. Well, here's a here's where I here's a here's another humble and Fred segue. And you posted something recently, and we're going to talk about your tu- uh, your Twitter presence because you and I go back and forth on Twitter, and we try and sure. make we try and make each other laugh with ridiculous shit. But you posted something <laughs> recently. It was an Our Lady Peace song. Um, and the irony of this story is that you were recognized around the world for fake drumming on a song you didn't play on, and yet one yeah. of the songs you did play on in the video. Um, so just remind me, what was the video? One Man Army, so, the live One Man Army. Right, so Freddie, here's a, a, a video of One Man Army, and Jeremy tweets this, no wonder I, well, I left the band because the entire video features nothing to do with Jeremy, and yet there's all these, it's a really great, mm. it's one of your best drum songs, and you're not even in the fucking video. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it, it is, uh, it's a live video from like our big live DVD and the thing about it is, yeah, it's one man army, and there's like three ridiculous drum fills in that song, and none of them are shot in this video. It's just, but you see Rain out in the crowd, and I was like, well, Rain was there every day for the editing of this video. Right. And I'm like, he's literally for sure, like, no, no, take him out, and I'll take him out for sure. Because it's like, what else? When you hear it, it's like, the drums are absolutely nuts for like, Three yeah. different points. In the song. <laughs> no, I know, and it's like I'm a ghost. Where would that come <laughs> from? You, yeah, like why? <laughs> why? I don't fucking know. Like I, 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 there's a lot. Like it's just it's one of those things where it has to be just some sad sack, you know, like uh, narcissism. I don't know. It's insecurity. Yeah, and as you say, Jeremy, I went back and listened to the song. And it's not like you're, it's not like you're just going ticky ticky. It's not like a fucking no. drum machine. So, which brings us to this part. Um, you left the band uh, under some acrimony. What was your? What led to your decision? Well, I mean, just it was 21 years in the band. So, like 21 years of greatness, great opportunities great touring great success 21 years is a plenty of plenty anywhere like it's a gold watch at most jobs right yeah so i it was really um i guess maybe the last few years i was just starting to feel like i i want to do something differently i i just i uh i wasn't feeling the the concept of when you're in uh, a band um you don't really know what you're doing in six months and with at us at this point or at that point we we're in the transition from like a band that's on the charts all the time in your face to a band that plays live and kind of is more of a classic rock thing right so i mean there was just that kind of seeing where the ship is is trying to go and I just felt like we were maybe spending too much time on trying to be relevant now than just kind of focusing on what we've done and, and, and making, you know, our live environment more like that. So anyway, the bottom line was just, I wasn't feeling it anymore. And, uh, it was time to make a change. Mm -hmm. That was it. 
But even in that news, uh, that new phase, I, I imagine the income was still rather handsome. That's a big decision because I know Howard and I often look back and think, what if or maybe yeah. if we yeah. we had done this or done that. I mean, when mm-hmm. you make a decision like that, you know that all of a sudden what, you know, that income that might still be down the road is just not there. Yeah, but it wasn't the it wasn't to the point where it's like. You know, we were really kind of not doing stuff a lot. So it wasn't, mm-hmm. even in the, that respect, it wasn't like, oh, you know, you can hang your hat on that, whatever amount that's coming in. Right. That was kind of getting to the point where, like, you know, I, I, I was in the position where I, I don't want to go on the road for three months and come back with nothing. Yeah. You know, like oh, that to me, if I'm gone for three months and it's a break even thing and for. Mm-hmm. 60 dates in the summer or in the States and coming home with zero, like, fuck that, man. Well, like, and also 21 and, years, no thanks. And, and mm-hmm. you, I, and I think, you, you know, again, it's funny because I, I only run in, we run into each other uh, on the same day every year. It's like Groundhog Day. But we, for yeah. the last few years, even, you know, prior to COVID, you know, I, I would get caught up with Jeremy and I, and you were starting to have kids, you know, you've got, now your kids are, how old are your, your, is your family? 16, 15, and 12, two boys and a girl. Yeah. And, and did that play into your decision? Absolutely. You know, I didn't like to go away and come back and your kid looks different. Like, that <laughs> to me is the worst. You know, like, I, I just can't handle that. Like, hey, look, they took the first step and you're on FaceTime. Like, no, man, forget that. You got to be there to win. You and know, part of you that, you got to be there. Part of that decision, was it based on the story you told about the video and the drums and rain? Like, it was the prospects of not having that in your life was good, too? <laughs> totally, man. Absolutely. You know, like, uh, the, uh, there's a lot of reasons. And, uh, you know, I don't really have to get into that. No, no, I know. I've, I've right. had, I, usually when I'm having that that thing where, like, hey, well, why'd you leave? People are like. Oh, I fucking know why you left. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we get it. Um, think, you know, uh, we had yeah. an interesting, uh, Freddie. I think I told Fred about this conversation that you and I had a couple months ago because we hung around on our annual day, and I, uh, I was sort of, sort of, we having a similar like how things going in golf, and we always say, hey, we should get together in golf again because we played a little bit back in the day. But you, you mentioned what you might like to do. Like what? What would be a good gig for you now that the kids are a little bit older? You wouldn't mind. I don't know. How, I don't even know how you put it. You had a phrase for being like a hired gun or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I yeah, I have no problem, and I'm I'm doing more, you know, stuff like sessions and a little bit of touring here and there, and I I think that's definitely my kids are older now where. I could hop, you know, I would definitely could roll out and do train for a year or something like that. You know what I mean? Like one of those gigs where you're just kind of playing and enjoying the music and, and uh, just uh, collaborating with people. That's that's fine. I love that. And I, uh, I think well, it's I, definitely time. I have an idea. Did you know Taylor Hawkins? Do you know Dave Kroll? I, I did very well, actually. Yeah. That must have. Yeah. I mean, part of the fraternity, that must have been hard to take hearing about him. But. What about what about that? I could see you in that position. Well, I mean, it's funny that you mentioned that, but we actually were, Taylor. Well, if I, I don't know if you remember, he used to play with Alanis, mm-hmm. and uh, OLP opened on the Jagged Little Pill tour. So I had a really good friendship with Taylor when back in 1996 when we did that tour, and I kept in touch with him to the point where I was like on the other line when Taylor was like 
hold on a second. I got to go to the other line. And then coming back like, dude, I'm a Foo Fighter. It was like Dave oh, on the other line saying, hey, do you want to join the band? So that, I do. I have a lot of great memories with Taylor and Dave back in those days when he became a member and, and started to. But we unfortunately had a falling out like in the early to mid 2000s. And uh, it kind of got a bit ugly. And that's where it kind of lies. Oh, that's so, too bad. Yeah, it is. But, you know, it, that's that happens, too, in life. You know what I sure. mean? You, you kind of, uh, you know, you 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 have relationships and sometimes they get strained and whatever. You can't be friends with everybody. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mentioned to Fred the other day, too. I said, you know, back to Twitter. I, I said something's happened in the last few weeks to a month because, you know, you're one of the few people that I follow and also one of the rare people that I sort of, you know, will DM or I'll tweet back to you because I know you'll always, you know, I, here I, I know you well enough that there's a sense of humor that we share that I know if I sure. say something nonsensical, you'll like it. We start it. laughing. We start already, laughing. Yeah. Right. But I For said, sure. I said, there's something's happened in Taggart recently because you had tweeted about you're like, fuck everything. I'm going hardcore now. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I love that. Well, I mean, I figured that's Twitter now where it's like, like, it really has become a hellscape. Like, you know, it's gone from like a little bit Fox News to full on Fox News. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I guess I'm like, that was my way of saying, come at me, bro. You know, like, yeah, I'm ready for it. Like, let's go. Because it really is at that point. It's like, well, I'm not leaving. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be happy to watch it circle the drain because nothing's funnier than a billionaire, you know, uncomfortable. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I'm in the position now where it's like, bring it. <laughs> Well, listen, as Fred said, we don't have a, a lot of guests. Uh, we have a few guests that we go to from time to time. And, you know, again, I'm not putting you on the spot, but we're actually running out of time. We have a couple other people standing by, including one of our longtime sponsors. So I want to clear some time, but we'd love sure. to have you back sooner than, I don't know, when's the last time we talked to you? Because I know you got a lot to say about a lot of things, and it's a fascinating glimpse into the world that you occupied and also your perspective on things that are happening now. So we're going to hit you up uh, for a return visit in a, in a pretty short amount of time, if that's all right. That sounds fantastic. I love it. Great talking to you guys. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. Oh, it's um, great to see you, Jeremy. Jeremy, yeah. what, what's the uh, Twitter handle? At Taggart7. And uh, Taggart and Torrens, you can find them where podcasts are uh, distributed. I, I got. I, I have the catalog up here on uh, uh, Spotify. I'm just wondering, as we say goodbye today, until next time, what what is one of your favorite songs? Maybe from the perspective either of just one of your favorite songs that you, that you played on, or one of the favorite songs that featured something that you thought, man, that was pretty pretty fucking cool. That thing I did. Um. Well, I mean, me, the, the Stealing Babies, that song to me has a lot of uh, feeling just because Elvin Jones, the drummer from John Coltrane's band, that was a huge uh, highlight for me in my career was to be able to play with my hero, Elvin Jones, and have him come in and record with us and stand beside him and help him out and talk about hmm. music with him and get to know him. Uh, so I think Stealing Babies, definitely from Happiness, is uh, a great example of that for sure because it's Elvin on it with me and I get to play with Elvin well that's good enough for us Jeremy Taggart thanks for your time today man love you and uh, always great seeing you 
Yes, yeah, same to you boys. Love you guys. And uh, hey, we'll get uh, we'll get Toronto Mike to uh, hitch up for a return visit soon. Thanks, pal. All right, thanks, guys. never really been uh you know much on the musicologist you know we didn't spend a lot of time talking about that on our show we were too busy talking about greasy stools and those type of things but uh i think as i've gotten a little bit older and i can maybe appreciate the music more you really appreciate just how good this kid was you know yeah it's quite the story it really is and uh again at such a young age and then I mean, their success came relatively quick. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, based on the average, I would imagine. But uh, I, I don't know. That just uh, that struck me. Buying your parents a house you oh, know, yeah. when you're almost destitute and then all of a sudden be able to say, Mom and Dad, I'm doing this for you. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I do have a lot of memories. Uh, I, you know, for I don't I, I he'll he maybe remember it was probably at least five years. But I I met Rain and I met the other guy from the band Duncan. And to be honest, Rain was uh, I tried to make him laugh when I first met him, and he was very like rock star sort of like one of those guys like didn't think that was funny type of dudes and then jeremy and i all we did was make each other laugh so that's why i sort of ended up being his buddy even though he was way younger than those guys and me at the time did we not have rain on the podcast oh yeah back, like in 2013 yeah. or 14 or something oh no rain rain's different now he's kind of grown up a bit but at the time he was a bit of a posing you know a poser rock guy but jeremy yeah. was always one of those people that you know that you could make laugh he made me laugh right. all the time but i do remember having to drive him home like i was his dad <laughs> like, fucking, mm-hmm. like a, i remember that now yeah i remember being at the edge and then you mentioning that jeremy has to be picked up or his mom drove him <laughs> his mom drives him to the golf course yeah like this is a big this is a pretty exclusive golf course and golf club. <laughs> well, that's the thing. He's I, a member, but his mom drives him to it. I didn't. I didn't want to bug him. That's about like it. Richie Rich dollars and cents. <laughs> exactly. I didn't want to bug him about it too much, but I was going to say, well, wasn't the, another son a success when you joined the national Jer? But uh, we yeah. thought, well, you know, keep that for another time. <laughs> um, hey, listen, before we get Tim on here, uh, let me just grab some more uh, tea because that's all I'm allowed to drink. Do you want to go ahead and do something? Uh, yes. Um, let me talk about the Maple Leafs tonight who play in Jersey. The New Jersey Devils have won 13 games in a row. And I find the uh, Devils aggravating because they appear to be another team that has passed the Maple Leafs by. You know, the Leafs were supposed to be this huge Stanley Cup contender and, you know, take the NHL by storm. And we know the situation. And now the Devils, another team that just seems to have passed them by. Leafs play there tonight. Devils have won 13 in a row. Devils minus 145, the favorite in this game. So, again frustrating from a maple leaf uh, uh standpoint and uh who knows maybe the leafs can break that 
that uh, streak tonight. Whether you're a sports bet or a horse racing fan, a poker, casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry-leading odds, world-class sports book, and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book. They've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. That's uh, fantastic. Okay, let me just get the uh, official Sherpa music. It's uh, always a pleasure to welcome back this financial guru, Tim.Niblet or RaymondJames.ca. And uh, I know you... (laughs) I know you've got lots to say about the markets, but let me uh, just find that because uh, you sent it last week and I've had a few things uh, on my mind since then. Uh, Hi, Tim. Good morning there, gentlemen. And as I mentioned in an email to you, Howard, I thought I was supposed to take care of all the heart SHIT for the year uh, there. No, I know. Um, can you do me a favor? I, I, I apologize for this because I, I can't find the email yeah, from last sure. week. Can you just resend it to me? Thank you. With pleasure. I, that was a week ago. I know I was kind of risking things uh, there. For sure. Well, uh, uh, oh right, because I was looking too. So yeah. you mean the one from last week? Yeah, it's the okay. one from last week. And, and Tim, as you can imagine, there's been a few other emails that have pushed <laughs> you that, that have yeah that have pushed that email down a bit. It uh, should be on the way, my friend. Thank you, my friend. And Fred, uh, I just want to let you know, good Canadian that I am, I was watching the uh, the Grey Cup on ESPN2 on Sunday evening there. Well, very exciting, was it not, Timmy? It was a heck of a finish, there's no doubt about that. That was that was crazy, and that kid, I think Smith was his name, he was involved in every darn play uh, yeah, I know. Down, down the end there, so <laughs> it, it was... It was a real weird turn of events, but it was nice to see the Argos win. You know, Timmy, mm-hmm. you, you probably didn't hear this, but I, I watched the game with my friend Bill Hertz next door. And then as soon as I got back to my place here, I called Freddie because I wanted to talk to him about the game. And of course, the first thing he says to me is, how was that on your heart? Because <laughs> it, it got pretty goddamn exciting there. And that's what always happens. We said this the other day. It always happens in CFL games. Like, I rarely watch a, a regular season game of either the NFL or the CFL, but I like to watch the Super Bowl and the Grey Cup, and it never disappoints. You know, even though it started off slow, you just know at some point some crazy shit's going to happen. And sure enough, when you get two blocks field goals in a game, it's like, what? Yeah, it was something. And you said that kid Smith or whatever, eh? yeah, he was involved in everything, but the last one was a good one, so he walks away as a champ. Yeah, how does that happen, right? I mean, I know that the other teams allowed to make good plays or whatever, but Winnipeg three peed, won the last two great cups, and a guy misses a darn block <laughs> to cost them the the no, game. No, oh no, and it was it was at some point when they were down in the end, and and uh, you thought, okay, well that'll be the end because they 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 held them off, and they're way deep in their end, and all of a sudden you see the flag, and you're like, oh come on, is this really going to be another Toronto uh, episode? You know, I mentioned yesterday, too, Steve Simmons was talking about back when the Argonauts really mattered, they never won. And then now that they don't matter, they seem to always win. And there used to be a term called the Argo bounce, right? Whatever could go wrong would go wrong Mm. with this team. But it just seems over the past few Grey Cups, especially, it always ends up going right for them at the end. So that culture has changed. Is there a term for uh, what happens to the Maple Leafs every year? Was that like? The Leafs yeah. dump or something. Yeah. Uh, Tim, how's the your... Leafs fizzle. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. Hey, uh, Tim, uh, how's your heart these days? 
You know, I, I did my uh, little testing this morning just for you, and uh, I was down in the 70s for my pulse every mm. single time, including a 68, which is very exciting for me. Yes, it is. Uh, so, yeah, it seems like my latest medication is finally bringing it down. Uh, feel the best I have in months and months and months. I actually golfed two days in a row this week, hot on the heels of like five days all summer. So, uh, yeah, we're we're uh, getting there, which is very exciting. Well, I'm glad to hear it. I'm uh, going back for some more testing today. And I, uh, I'm also going to be on, I guess, some medication for the uh, uh, foreseeable future. And at some point, I'm going to hit you up. Uh, I don't, I don't know what your schedule is in the next week or so, but I got to call you to talk about a couple things I'm curious about. But I found out, uh, I don't know if you knew this, Freddie, that uh, just like myself and yourself now, our boy, the uh, retirement Sherpa, has tested positive for COVID. Mm-hmm. For the, you know, because you, you were really one of the last people that we knew. Uh, how you feeling now? I know. I feel really bad. My streak ended, you know, um, <laughs> it, it ha- well, because I've been to however many darn football games. We've been to Europe and to Universal Studios and and nothing. I probably got to go into Publix for a BOGO wine or something like that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it just I had a fever hit super fast and it thankfully went kind of as quickly with some Tylenol and it was super innocuous. I mean, I've had tons of worse colds than this, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, my wife still hasn't had it. It's it's interesting because uh, you think you know inevitable she's going to get it at, at, at some point, and what what what's that going to be like? But well, yeah, what's going to be like? Still for has you? resisted, huh? I said, what's it going to be like for you? Mm-hmm. Although considering doll, you know, she'll probably just get like a little tiny cough and a sneeze, and that'll be over. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to talk a little bit today. Uh, I know it's, you know, it's maybe not the sexiest subject, but it's something that is vital, especially as you start to age. And if you're part of the Sherpa family, part of the Sherpa plan is to, you know, cover all the bases. And let's talk a little bit about an insurance checkup. Right. So it, it is kind of ironic. It's not quite as sexy as Our Lady Peace. I get that. But, <laughs> you, you know, the reality of it is people will... Uh, talk about investments a hundred times, uh, you know, about the market or about the interest rates or whatever, and, and probably insurance zero times through that whole process, right? So the, the first and kind of biggest message I'd want to get to people is when did you at last even pay attention to it? Like when was the last time you, you kind of had a checkup, so to speak? on it because you know no matter how well your investments are or aren't doing no matter how much you're saving no matter if you got the right stuff in your tfsa whatever if you don't have uh disability or critical illness or of course life insurance uh properly done that could undo all that other stuff and again we barely pay attention to it and who are you talking to now people still in the workforce or it it doesn't matter like explain that like critical illness or income uh, replacement on uh, you know an injury or something someone who's already retired that's not as important obviously as someone that's got to go out and earn a buck every day absolutely CIDI more important when you're yeah. you're younger uh, critical and disability mm-hmm. uh, you could still need life insurance in retirement certainly Fred uh, mm-hmm. You know, some people would want to kind of negate whatever taxes would be payable on death before it gets to their 
uh, beneficiaries. That's a pretty common one, especially when cottages are involved. Cottages seem a pretty uh, emotional thing. Mm -hmm. And also the point that uh, gets kind of missed too is you can really use insurance to create wealth as well as protect wealth. So as we've been going through this last joyous 12 months or so in the markets, uh, insurance policies, universal life, um, whole life that could be used to create wealth, running a much different rhythm to the market. So they would have been a lot smoother for the people who have invested in that as well for the last uh, year. Um, one of the notes yeah, like, you... Oh, I'm sorry. Life insurance can be a real hedge against, obviously, against the tax man. Um, and that's a point. I, I knew these people. You talked about a, a cottage quickly. I the, the parents had a cottage and the kids collectively, I think there was five kids in the family, they got together and paid for the insurance pre- premiums for the parents on the you know the eventuality they die and to negate the taxes on the cottage so there's all sorts of um, ways to work around this is the point and what i was going to say one of your notes which is a great idea freddie but one uh, one of your notes here you talk about insurance separate from your mortgage maybe talk a little bit about that yeah absolutely right and and fred just to to follow up on your point there um it's a fantastic idea, right? Because if you think of how much cottages have gone up in value mm-hmm. now, a lot of families, it's a generational thing. So a lot of families wouldn't be able to hold on to the cottage yeah. mm-hmm. uh, when, when the parents pass. So, yeah, Howard, I mean, it's it's all about control. You and me like that thing, right? So control. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, if, you're, if your insurance is with your mortgage, then arguably the financial institution is in control. Um, whereas if you have it separate from it, you probably paid less. Uh, you definitely have a lot more options and you're in charge as as well as it. So insuring your mortgage, fantastic idea, but you probably will be a lot better off at least three different ways by having it separate from it. Uh, any final thoughts? And, and again, as I mentioned in the introduction, you know, one of the things that Tim provides is, you know, not just, uh, hey, what you should be investing in, but the total idea of the Sherpa plan in retirement includes this conversation, which you should have. If it's not, if you're not having it with your guy, you got to get with our guy. Uh, any final thoughts from the retirement Sherpa? Well, feel free to, not, not today, I got five appointments today, but feel free to check in any other time because our daughter and family are showing up for U.S. Thanksgiving. That's and right. We'll, we'll have an eight-year-old kid and two grand puppies. So if you want to call me anytime, <laughs> that would be just... <laughs> uh, Tim.nibble at RaymondJames.ca. And uh, I apologize for taking some of the heart attention from you, but I tell you what, partner, I would gladly give it back to you. Is, I'm on it. Yeah, and thanks, is, and thanks for your note. I really appreciate it. I, I will be calling you next week because I have some, uh, I have some questions for you. This is what the show has become. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's got the worst heart shit going on? Uh, I hope you're feeling well. And I'm glad. Listen, man, I'm thrilled for you. I'm glad to hear you're playing again because I know it was, you know, kind of a drag. The entire summer went by and we didn't see you much. It is much more fun, that's for sure. So great to see you guys as always, and enjoy and profit. There you go. Tim.nibble at RaymondJames.ca. That's our guy. And if he's not your guy, he should be. Da, 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 da. Uh, yeah, Mike uh, Boone, our uh, impressive uh, producer, just sent me a note. I, I, mean, I say impressive because, you know, the guy is on it. He said, Rain Maida of Our Lady Peace was on our program March 22nd, 2013. If you want to go back and check that file. 
Wasn't Kreviatsak his yeah. wife? Off Chantel, the show yeah. Chantel? Chantel Kreviatsak, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Duran is uh, standing by. Your, uh, your buddy Mike Hannafin is uh, going to be on the show this morning. Uh, let me just is let he him... in Qatar or something? Uh, I don't know. Let me just uh, get Dan on and let Mike know that he's going to have to wait a bit here. Mike, uh, stand. Actually, you know what? Yeah, no. Stand by for five minutes. That's what I need to tell him. Uh, yeah, Dan mentioned that uh, the program is uh, obviously brought to you by a lot of different people, including EVNet. We've been talking about electric vehicles. The client buying experience is so different there. And their selection, like unlike a lot of car dealerships, you know, if you want to buy an electric vehicle right now, you'd be tough to get a test drive because there's not a lot of uh, inventory. You can try the Bolt, the Kona, the Outlander, the Nissan Leaf, the Tesla Model 3. All is available. All the information. Set it up. You can rent a vehicle first if you want at rentelectric.ca or go to evnet.ca. Check this out because it really is the future of not only car buying, but electric car buying. In the meantime, here's Dan Duran. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes as fast for credentials. He has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang so he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low And now live from the Humble and Fred Studios On the Queensway in downtown Toronto With news and views and more Here's the affable Actor Announcer Dan Duran all right, guys, you had a, uh, a test for me earlier on about uh, soccer. Yes. And I, I, how about this one for you guys? How many nerve endings does the clitoris have? How many well, nerve endings does the clitoris have? Well, from my experience, none. Hmm. <laughs> That's because you can't find it. It's got to be here joke. somewhere. That, that was, was a joke. good one. <laughs> you know, here's what I did to delay the joke because I didn't have one. Is I actually repeated the question. I was going to come up with a number like 17, but I've only seen three. Uh, Dan Duran, how many nerve endings does the clitoris have? Well, it was formerly thought the number was 8,000. Ooh. But that was based on the cow clitoris. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> The cow clitoris. The, cl- Dan, the cow Dan, clitoris. Dan, are yes. you finger banging a cow on the side? Come on. Fuck. Howard, he can work a cow into a Seriously. frenzy like you would not believe. Dan, you oh, can it. probably make a cow give milk for days. Oh, yeah. It was stated as fact that 8,000 uh, was the number yes. in a 1976 book called The Clitoris by Thomas and Taya Lowry. All right. Who, uh, cited a study on bovines about it but no there is now a new study that just came out there are more there's actually 10,000 yes the clitoris has 10,000 nerve fibers packed into the small organ the human hand by the way has 17,000 so can we just back up a second so some couple put together a book on on the clitoris right and, and they didn't count the nerve endings of the clitoris but they used the cow clitoris 
Like, how did they go to the publisher and say, well, we've got the books done. Uh, did you count the cl- uh, nerve endings on a clitoris? No, we used a cow. <laughs> Were there no females available? I don't know. I don't know the answer to these questions. I didn't delve that deeply because it's old news now. I'd say. Unless you get that book, I suppose it would be an interesting read. How many, uh, how many pages on the clitoris could there be? I wonder. Hmm. I know, you know, I know weird things go on in the prairie. Dan, your uncle's uh, cattle farm. You never banged a cow, did you? No. Oh, okay. Just no. But thanks for asking, because we, because <laughs> we can clear Dan. that up right now. Dan, Dan, remember when we were younger and you got drunk and you said, "Listen, Howie, don't tell anybody." Well, one time on the farm, I put on the rubber boots, <laughs> the hip waders, and I got. <laughs> And then after that, the cow has sex with a bull, and she looks back and goes, no, no sorry. I want Dan Durant. No. <laughs> That's right. Actually, Dan Durant's nickname on the prairies was El Toro. <laughs> Among the bovine community. Oh, on, on cow well. tinder, Dan is highly prized. <laughs> All right. So Dan. after this, uh, the, the, uh, the, the counting, the fiber counting yes. uh, was done. Now, now there's actually, I did not know this, but uh, originally there was more research done on the penis. Mm. But uh, finally we're getting to know more and more about what's going on down there. Our the friend, the penis. <laughs> <laughs> Why did it get spongy in your 60s? Hmm? <laughs> there's probably a book called The oh. Penis. Right. We should read that. Yeah, but what they did is they counted the nerve endings on the penis of a uh, fucking uh, uh, bull. Um, <laughs> how many nerve endings are on the penis? All I know is it's quite, it can be quite pleasurable. <laughs> <laughs> That's Howard's research. Yes. That's right. I've done some research yeah. on the, uh, my own penis for, for many years. Did you give a number? Dad, how many, how many nerve endings in a penis? Oh, I didn't get a number on the penis. Oh, no. you didn't get a number. No, no, I'm sorry, I didn't get a number on the penis. I didn't do the I didn't do the uh, the the, uh, the penis research. I was uh, focusing on the clitoris. No, okay. Well, maybe tomorrow you'll come back with some information on our friend, the penis. <laughs> that whole edging, that whole edging concept is interesting too. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sometimes the the nerve endings must might be you know more in one area than the other. Yeah, well, I can see you've done some research yourself, Miss Doctor Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> to Patterson. I know, but I don't know about you guys, but I started researching around age 11 or 12, and I haven't stopped my research. <laughs> my ongoing research continues to this very day. Oh, yes. I, I'll be publishing yeah. my paper sometime in my mid-70s called A Lifetime of the Penis. <laughs> uh, Dan, do you have a second story here? I've got to get to a doctor's appointment. Do you have something no, else? I, for- I don't really have oh, a second right, well. story. I could, I could play a little of the Herschel Walker stuff if you wanted to. We can you know, say that. Well, we day. have to save it because uh, our uh, we have a quick uh, visit here with a, a friend of the show. Actually, uh, one of uh, Fred's uh, longtime buddies, Mike Hannafin, and he was going to be on with us a while ago. He's now the official scorer for the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, we tried to check in a, a while ago. He had some technical difficulties, and I think we figured those out. Mike, how are you? Doing extremely well, but how am I supposed to follow that? <laughs> Hard to believe, yes. I mean, it's a, you never know what you're following on the show. Are we going to see you? Do you know how to turn your camera on, or is this strictly uh, is audio? There. Yeah, I had all of the settings done there. there I think go. I'm on now. There you go. Yeah, well, I'm supposed to follow the drummer from Our Lady Peace, the Sherpa, and... Clitoris nerve endings. Thing. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. You never know at on this six, show. At six twelve a.m. in uh, in Vancouver. Thank you. I think the term is clitoral nerve endings. Uh, oh, is that right? <laughs> hey, remember we said, "Hey, oh Wes, did you guys call it the man in the boat? Man in the boat? Oh yeah, man little man in the boat. Yeah. Oh, I haven't been out west that long. Mm-hmm. 
How, how long have you been on West? Uh, since 2005. Because um, Fred had another friend when I first met him. Fred. And, and you mentioned, that I can't remember, one of the buddies of yours went out West or went to Victoria or Vancouver and just never came back. Yeah, that Are you was talking about Phil Evans? No, 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 no. Phil no, this is no. a buddy of mine growing up. His name was oh, Gary, Gary Gallant, and he just went on a little summer tour down to Florida, California, up, got to Victoria, and never came home, although he died about seven years ago. Well, I traveled out here in 2003 and, you know, did it all and saw the hiking and saw the mountains, and I just said, okay, this is it. This is where I want to live. And then I just spent the next two years figuring out how I was going to do it. Yeah, Dan and I both lived in Vancouver. I, I we're both from you know uh, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and and I I could really see that. I I spent a couple of years working at C Fox in Vancouver and CKLG, and mm-hmm. you know you it's hard to describe to Ontarians that haven't been there, Mike. Because, yeah. you know, we love our Muskokas here and there's beautiful vistas in the southern Ontario. I mean, it really is a, a sensational place. But when you get into the mountains, there's something about the sea and the sky. And, you know, that's one one of the reasons Vancouver is perennially one of the most beautiful, listed as one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Because, again, if you've never been there, what, what was your first experience like? Well, I kind of was an outdoorsy person in Ontario version of that. And then coming here, it was like, oh, my God, like the mountains are right here and there's trails everywhere. And you can literally walk to the top of a mountain (laughs) and stand on the top of a mountain and look at everything 360 degrees. And, you know, you're hooked right away. Yeah. And so I just said, okay, you know what? I don't I could I could live where I wanted to live. I was in a position where I could do that. And I just said, okay, time to go. That sounds great, but can you hire mules to sit on their back and then walk <laughs> the mountain? Because <clears throat> I'd like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, I haven't seen one yet. You know, I, I always remember Hannafin. You know, he was a sportscaster at CFNY. I hired him way back when, and... Uh, playing for the uh the wankies this man could run like a deer it was something else he was one of those kids i'd watch and think why could i have never been why, <laughs> why, why were you blessed? like the thing is i had a kind of go ahead no i'm just saying the way you could crack down a fly ball and all that oh, yeah. like, why, and, why, was I, why wasn't well, i born like that i had the advantage of having played high level baseball all through mm-hmm. my childhood i was on a team that went to the ontario junior finals and so I had lots of experience playing and then I get to play with the Wankies and it's like, we're having some fun, but at, you know, at the same time, I'm mm-hmm. not going to go out there and start chumping it up. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I had fun and, and other players like Darren and Nick, Nick Charles. Yeah. He, he was like, this guy's good. Like Nick Charles used to say he's, he's the white Jesse Barfield. <laughs> so, and just remind everyone, he's so dead you, too. you, you yeah, dead guys. everyone's dead. Uh, mm-hmm. What did you do uh, at uh, the CFNY? What years and, and uh, how long? Fred, Fred hired me in the fall of 83 and I didn't start until March of 84. Um, and that's another story. Like I ran into Fred in uh, exhibition stadium uh, during an Argo playoff game and Fred, I was working in Stratford, one of the smallest radio stations you could ever possibly imagine. And Fred sees me, he says, Mike, I think we're going to be hiring somebody in the spring. Uh, get me a tape. And I just reached into my pocket and then I pulled out a tape and handed it to him. I said, here you go. He goes, OK. And then uh, I guess a week later, Fred calls me up at uh, Stratford and says, we love the tape. 
send me another one. In fact, send me the next time you're on the air, send me a tape, a reel to reel, we'll pay for it. And then the rest is history. I got hired. Oh, I mean, I, that's a great story. The only part I don't believe is Fred saying, we'll pay for it. No, the station, <laughs> no, not no, me. The station paid for it. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, hey, that makes but, more you sense. you know, there's a great story in that, actually, because we often talk about the kids that get ahead in the business, how they're positioned, you know, psychologically and physically to move ahead. And that's true. He, t- he had a tape on him. You know how many kids I, you, would say, you would say, send me a tape and you'd be waiting for it weeks later? He actually reaches into his pocket and he hands me a tape and he gets the job. See, there's I a had two tapes you. in my pocket. Mm. And, uh, you know, you just got to be prepared. You love the I tape. See. And you said, but, you know, that could be a prepared tape. That could be a whatever. Mm-hmm. And so send me the next time you're on the air, send me a tape. And mm-hmm. I sent you a reel to reel. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say that uh, brings back so many memories of those little, yeah. those little tiny yeah. reel to reels, and and so you spent your uh, your time as a as a uh, sports guy. You left the uh, CFNY obviously before I came there. I came there in nineteen eighty. Oh well, I left. I got there in nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. So it was just. And then, what did you do for your career up till two thousand and five when you went to Vancouver? Well. I left in 88. Uh, there was a big purge of the newsroom. And what Fred gave me the option, he, and, and maybe the station did, but Fred was fantastic about this. He says, listen, I can give you four months severance right now, or we can just leave you on the air for four months and you can work right up to your last day. So in, in effect, I had a four-month audition or a three-month audition in Toronto radio where everybody could hear me. And, uh, and as soon as I was done... I started getting some phone calls for freelance things. Fred Locking, rest in peace, and thanks for mentioning him, Fred, the other day. Another dead guy. Uh, Another dead guy. uh, He called me up, said, listen, we need somebody to cover some Blue Jay games in April, and I got some work there. Abe Hefter, who used to be the boss of uh, BN, he called me up. I got some work there. Bet you he's Uh, dead. Eric, Eric Thomas, who was doing some freelance work for ABC Radio, he was starting his own business in, in his race line radio. He got me, he kind of, I had kind of inherited his work and I started building up freelance work. So that worked out very well. Then I got into CFRB mostly as their freelance reporter guy, occasionally on air. Nice. And then there you was, worked, the, you worked under the great Bill Stevenson. I sure did. Bill Stevenson and, uh, Pat Marsden, dead. Fred Locking, Dave Quinn, another rest in peace. Dead. All yeah. dead. Stevenson Devils, dead. Marsden sexual. dead. Quinn dead. Everyone's dead. <laughs> so anyway, I got in there, and then there was the baseball and the hockey strikes and the lockouts. And yeah. ar- around that time, I got into s- to TSN, mm-hmm. uh, behind the scenes, not on air, writer, and then associate producer, and then and uh, did that until 2001. I stayed there. So well, you know, lots of different things. Yeah, you've built a very nice career, and you know, I mean, you're the an early example of the gig in con- gig economy yep. where you just do it on your own and, and there'll be no surprise to you fred that i made more freelancing than i ever made at cfm oh, of course, of course you did i'm not yeah. surprised um no and mike and now it says here in our notes that you're the official scorer for the vancouver canadians the yeah, uh, that's the worked, uh, that's the baseball team right that's the toronto blue jays single a affiliate right so that's one of their farm teams so what happened there was i was working at news 1130 the 680 news of vancouver and I got laid off from there. I got purged from that place. But the, the former sports guy at the station ended up working as the broadcaster for the Vancouver Canadians. And one day he just calls me up and he says, listen, what are you doing today? And I said, nothing. And he says, 
our scorer just called in sick. You want to come and score the game? Fine, I've scored a million games. Uh, so I did that, and then he called in sick the next day, and then they went on the road, and they came back, and the guy called in sick again, and Rob Fay says, what are you doing the rest of the season? And I said, hmm. nothing. And that was in 2011, and I've done it since. What, what does a scorer do for people, just people who a don't know? Scorer, you're watching the game, and you have to make decisions about hits and errors. Basically, that's what it comes down to. A ball's hit to a fielder. Does he catch it cleanly if he drops it? You have to make a decision. Was the ball hit so hard that you give the guy a hit, or was he clanked it and you give him an error? So okay. that's what I do, but it has different knock-on effects because it affects statistics for other players, ERA, this, that, and the other thing. So that's what I do. I get paid to watch a baseball game, and occasionally I have to make a decision, and um, it's a nice gig. It's a nice yeah. gig, and I get to watch. I get to watch Blue Jay prospects as they're coming up, like – in 2019, I saw Alec Manoa mm. pitching, and you could tell that guy was going to be something. Yeah, it's a, it's an important job, and as you say, especially like even at the minor league level there, because that's those are up and coming major leaguers, so those stats are uh, yeah. those are those those are important. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. No, I was going to say no. Uh, yeah. The, what happens is, Sue, sometimes you make a decision and the player or the manager doesn't like it and they'll appeal and they, you know, and because stats are involved and a guy might be, you know, the difference between hitting 270 and 275, which can make a difference to yeah. his career moving forward. Um, I remember years ago, again, I lived in Vancouver for only a couple of years, but I used to go and, and I, 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 I can't remember the name of the stadium, but it was about a 6,000, maybe Nat five. Nat Bailey Stadium. Nat, I was going to say Nat Bailey Stadium. That's where they, they still play. I'll tell you, it's one of the nicest places oh. you'll ever see a baseball Gorgeous. game, Freddie. You know, I, I was going to say Nat Bailey, but I thought, oh, no, is that a Toronto thing? But I remember, again, I'm not the biggest fan, but I enjoyed those nights because it's so pleasant to yeah. sit there in that little stadium and watch basically guys that may be in the major leagues. And you are so close to the field. Yeah. Like it's a tiny little stadium, and you're within you know 30 feet of home plate if you're sitting right there. It's just a fantastic little place. And they sell, they sell out all the time. I bet they do. Hugely successful franchise. And they sell mostly the environment and the experience, not the game. Most yeah. of the fans that are there, they don't know what's going on or, or care. They're there for the sushi races and the hot dogs and <laughs> and the beer and the whatever. And it's just a fantastic night out. All right. Well, listen, Mike, it was great finally to have you on the show. Sorry about that technical difficulty a couple months ago. It is really good to see you, Howard. Um I enjoy the Alive? show every morning. <laughs> and it's really good to see you. And I'm really happy that you're... Not dead? (laughs) Well, listen, my uncle, my uncle who just turned 80, just got a hole in one a few weeks ago. Oh, great. And I tell you, I want you to get that hole in one. So you just keep doing what you're doing. All right. This fucking time's running out. No, no, no. He's got lots of time. My uncle can get one at 80. You can get one. Well, I appreciate that. He better get it the next couple of weeks. That's right. I was going to say the same thing. If it doesn't happen this week, who fucking knows if it ever will? God damn it. Do it. Freddie, I was talking to somebody the other day. How many have you had? Four. I go, four? Four holes in one. Ow. Uh, yeah. Play some pitch and putts. Yeah. You know, I did. I will say this, though. One of the games I played last week when I shot 79, it was a par three and I uh, I hit it. And, you know, I'm at the point now where sometimes I can see it and I can see it leave my club, obviously. But sometimes when it lands, 
if it's too far away, I can't quite see it. I have to get my range finder, which golfers know is like a laser, to see mm-hmm. where it is on the green, Freddie. And my ball landed just past the, the pin by about a foot and then stayed mm-hmm. there. And I'm like, you know, come on, golf. Why couldn't it just kind of dribbled <laughs> back in just this one fucking time? Come on, golf. Come on, yeah, golf. Come on, golf. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure there's a ton of shitty golfers that have lucked out and got a hole in one. Off would a you, tree. Yeah. yeah. Would, you, would you trade that for your spectacular daily score ability? Just one day, maybe. <laughs> just, <laughs> just one day. Uh, Mike Hannafin, you're a very sweet person. I appreciate you uh, hanging in today, and uh, I really enjoyed talking to you, and and uh, love to check in with you from time to time. Uh, we're just going to wrap things up because Freddie and I have got some stuff to do. Thanks to uh, Jeremy Taggart, Mike Hannafin, the retirement Sherpa. Uh, did I miss anyone? Dan Duran, of course. Dan, are you ready? Are you mo- emotionally stable enough to do the uh, extra? Ready to go, yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. And uh, tomorrow it is going to be wall-to-wall emails. Uh, if you want to get your thoughts, uh, get them in because uh, it's going to be a tight one. Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. All right, everybody. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, Aaron Ventures, EVNet.ca, and our newest sponsor, Kelsey's, Canada's original roadhouse since 1978. You can email us, Humble at com. Hearts and stars, liking and subscribing helps us out, so if you would. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and remember, everyone's dead, except for the ones who aren't. So go ahead, enjoy every goddamn day. A place we saw the lights turn low The jigsaw jazz and the get fresh flow Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts Two turntables and a microphone Bottles and cans and just clap your hands Or just clap your hands Where's that?